Hello and welcome to Wattcast. My name is Roger Watson and these podcasts are dedicated to readings of various articles that I've had published in newspapers and magazines. They reflect my views on politics, the pandemic and current affairs. Thank you very much for listening. Australia on the verge of a massive mistake. This is my column for Country Squire magazine of the 13th of September 2023. I'm not an Australian and what happens there is probably none of my business but that won't stop me having an opinion and expressing it. I've had a long love affair with Australia having worked there and with many relatives residing there. I've made countless visits. There has been an Aussie branch to my family for as long as I can remember. Courtesy of one of my relatives, I was sent the Eurofficial Yes-No referendum pamphlet recently with the reminder, as with many things in Australia, voting is compulsory. The forthcoming referendum to be held on 14th of October is on the Indigenous voice. I can predict with certainty, but in the hope that I'm wrong, that the proposals for an Indigenous voice will be approved. The Indigenous voice, to all intents and purposes, an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Parliament has long been demanded by Australia's Indigenous people. The outcome will be yes, because, having read the pamphlet, the case against is made with logic and facts, whereas the case in favour is made with rhetoric and passion. The latter will inevitably swing the vote among Australians, long used to being shamed about their history with regard to the Indigenous people. On a visit to Queensland University School of Nursing, I met Aboriginal nursing students. They had been invited to participate in a quality assurance process along with some classmates. An assessment team asked the nursing students to answer a few questions. In general, the students were confident and garrulous, but I noticed some young ladies, notable from their appearance as different from the rest, made no contribution. I remained behind to speak to them. They told me their culture as Aboriginals discouraged them from speaking in public. They were also afraid anything they said might get back to their elders, who would then discover they were studying at university. They were studying in secret. This was an interesting but not endearing insight into Aboriginal culture. I interviewed a Torres Strait Islander who, having qualified as a nurse and a health visitor, took his pilot's licence and ran a health visiting service across the Torres Strait Islands. His people were so proud of him. You see, the Indigenous people of Australia are far from homogenous. I was told not to describe him as Aboriginal at all. Torres Strait Islanders do not identify with the Aboriginals. Australia has long been on the back foot regarding its Indigenous people. They were treated appallingly by the original settlers and by their descendants. However, they now have an infrastructure which they do not eschew. None of these things existed prior to the arrival of the settlers. Aussies have long been used to apologising for the past, making reparations and trying to improve the lot of Indigenous people. Conference speakers are required to preface their presentations with acknowledgement of country. I would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet today, etc. Essentially, this is an apology for existence. Australia is held to ransom by its Aboriginal population for whom the correlation between the mineral richness of land and its sacredness seems to be high. Moreover, it's remarkable how that sacredness takes second place when the spondulix appears. There are few notable landmarks in Australia except Ayers Rock. Guess who that belongs to and why? The Aboriginals uh, look enviously across the Tasman Sea where the Indigenous people uh, have long had the rest of New Zealand by the short and curlies. 
The Maoris only arrived early on in the last century, and what happened to any indigenous people they encountered is not recorded. The New Zealand Prime Minister dons the Kahuhuruhuru, a Maori cloak, out of respect. Visitors to their meeting places, a MRI, including senior politicians and royalty, are subjected to the Pauri, which involves a hideously tattooed warrior threatening them with a spear. I've been to New Zealand, but never visited a Maori settlement, as I swore any spear-wielding warriors would be met with such a kick in the knackers, they'd be never leave the Marae again. And don't get me started on the All Blacks haka. But back to poor old Australia, which is on the verge of making a massive mistake. Before voting, citizens should at least read the pamphlet to both sides. The case for contains proposals, the details of which remain to be worked out. The case against, including statements by Indigenous people, warns that the very vagueness of their opponents' proposals could hold the rest of Australia to ransom forever. If the Aussies need a model for how this could go, then they should take a look at Scotland. I warn you as a Scot, if ever the thin edge of a wedge, it was in the creation of the Scottish Assembly in 1978. Inevitably that became the Scottish Parliament in 1999. If enough referenda are held, Scotland may eventually gain irreversible independence. Independence, that is, except in matters of finance, on which they are and will remain utterly dependent on the rest of the United Kingdom. In Australia, the voice will most probably lay the tracks for an enormous gravy train from the coffers of the Australian taxpayers into the pockets of the most vocal and charismatic Indigenous leaders. If decolonisation of Africa by the British Empire is anything to go by, that always goes well. This podcast was produced in association with youpublicationslimited.com.